So I wanted to find a job outside of the country. I started to apply and yeah, well, I got rejected. It wasn't terrible at the beginning, but what happened is that I kept doing it for months. I applied more than 200 times, and more than 200 times I got rejected. And I just kept doing it for months. I know it feels bad. And I kept applying and, well, after being rejected 200 times, I think you just don't care anymore, right? Because it doesn't hurt. <laughs> Not more. Welcome back to the Cisco Learning Network podcast. We're going to continue where we left off in our story of how David Benyolosa's journey earning his Cisco certifications helped him get where he is today. David is now a principal engineer at a global telecommunications business, but before he got there, he had to overcome a great deal in both his professional and personal life to earn Cisco certifications, which were David's key to making a better life for himself. If you haven't already listened to the first episode where we start talking about David's story, we highly recommend you go listen to it before listening to this next episode. It will help with understanding some of the things we talk about in this episode, and it's also just a very interesting story. We left off with David talking about how things were good, his company was doing well, he had passed the first exam out of two to become CCNA certified, and he was starting to meet potential new clients. Then in 2013, two major things happened around the same time that impacted David's life in ways that he would have never expected. The first was that David got the chance to travel and see the world. This, as we'll get to, completely changed the way David saw his home, his country, and his own future. The second thing that happened was that the president of Venezuela, Hugo Chavez, died. This changed so many things for Venezuela, but it also changed a lot for David and his own views. In 2013, I had the opportunity to travel. From Venezuela, I was traveling with my cousin, his wife, and his two kids. And we had the opportunity to travel for 11 days. So in 2013, when I was 22, I was able to see with my own eyes Paris, Madrid, and Barcelona. And this was an eye-opening moment for me. Because before that, I was this guy who only knew about Venezuela. I knew that well, through internet, you know that there are many opportunities and there is a world outside. But seeing it with your own eyes, oh God, so shocking. Why? Because you could compare your country, your infrastructure, whatever you were living in with all the things you could see outside. And you would think, oh God, we are in the 80s because we were back in time. As we mentioned in the previous episode, Venezuela's economy had diminished from the collapse of oil prices in the 1980s. And as a result, and according to the book Financial Times World Desk Reference, public services and infrastructure suffered, especially utilities such as electricity and water. At the time that David decided to travel, a majority of the people living in Venezuela were living in poverty. According to the website Marketplace.com, quote, in 2013, the country was troubled by weak growth, debt, and falling oil prices. During that time, the country's economy was growing at a rate of 1.3%, and roughly one-third of the country's population lived below the poverty line. That same year, the country's oil revenues totaled more than $85 billion, about 98% of the country's annual export earnings." End quote. The funny thing is that we even have jokes for this, and it sounds funny, but there is something that we say that it's the blessing and also the curse of the Venezuelans. We get over these grays joking about it. That's why I'm always joking about it. That's the blessing. You know, what's the curse? We don't know when to stop laughing. So then we just keep laughing, ha 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 ha, and then everything keeps happening in the background there. Oh God, it's too late. So, 
we have a joke about this is that there's a guy from Venezuela who just comes to another country and say, wow, this is amazing. He's looking at the floor. And then somebody is asking him, so why are you looking down? He says, this. And the guy says, but that's just a sidewalk. And the thing is that for us, this was surprising. One of the, the factors that is shocking is that Venezuela is a country rich in oil and we have the worst roads ever, but we are drowning in oil. But you could see it everywhere. We landed in Madrid. Even when we got into the airport, Barajas Airport is beautiful. It's huge. It's, it's amazing. And what happened? Well, our airport, our main airport looks like a bus terminal for planes. And for us, it was surprising because, well, I told you, we were like in the 80s. This is the moment when everything just changed, at least mentally for me. I had the idea to visit new places. I had the idea to build my own future. And I still have it. But at that point, I wasn't completely aware of what were the differences. For somebody coming from Venezuela and the first thing you see is Paris. Oh God, I live in a hole. Dude, Paris is, is it's beautiful, but it's this shockingly beautiful that you say like, oh God, no. <laughs> and what I thought at that point was, I need to leave the country. I need to go somewhere else because I knew that I wouldn't have the same possibilities in Venezuela. That was fairly obvious. I wasn't aware of the gap, obvious, till I saw it with my own eyes. And then the obvious is looking back at you. Then you're like, okay, dude, I need to find a way how to overcome all this. At this point, David had taken and passed the ICND-1 exam, which was the first exam out of two in order to earn the CCNA certification. This was the way that the CCNA certification was structured in 2013. There was also a break between the two exams of about eight weeks, and it was during this break that David was traveling. So I was in this break, and it was marvelous because it was the best opportunity I had to, well, see the world, I would say. And it's not that I saw the world. Well, I saw three cities, but they were capital cities and well, the difference was shocking. So as I said before, it's not the same as when you're looking at the obvious, when you're looking at this gap. Whenever you see your reality and the reality of some others or where you want to get, it's really shocking when you finally realize that this is the real monster. Because you could have an idea, but only when you're facing it, only when the beast is eating you, then you realize that, oh, right, this is a completely different business. Well, at that point, I just said, I need to move to Europe because it was extremely beautiful. And I said, I need to find a way to work outside. I need to move away from Venezuela because I knew that my future wasn't there. During that time I was traveling, then, of course, the idea became more obvious. It became this revelation moment where you realize, like, okay, I need to do it. I would say, what's the name for this? The wake up call? No, it wasn't an idea or some kind of wish that I had that I would ever fulfill. No, dude, now I had to do it. So I came back to Venezuela with this in my mind and it, it changed everything because now everything I was doing was all the time aiming to increase my likelihood of succeeding, to make myself, well, simply make myself more attractive for companies. So what was the goal? Dude, let's get more certifications because I only had one and I felt like it was amazing. And at Venezuela, it was. Why? Because I knew 
that most of the people who were certified were already leaving the country. And one of my friends that he was working in the same area at the university where I was teaching, but he was one of the administrators of the servers. He got a job with Bright Computing in Netherlands and he left and he was telling us, study did study and i already had this in my mind but when i saw the guy leaving as well but that was when i after i came back to venezuela then of course all these events happening around you they well they give you an idea so, you know the destiny is whispering something in your ears and i said well let's keep studying let's add more certifications and i kept doing it but what happened at that point was that in 2014-15 things started to go south it got more complicated from a economy perspective. So I had to make the terrible choice of just close the company because I couldn't handle it anymore. The expenses were ridiculous. What I did before closing is that to all the friends that were working with me, I found them another place to work, which was with one of the customers. So they already knew the environment and the customer would love to have them 100% of the time. So it was actually ideal for them. So I just moved them to the right customer and then I, well, let's just close it and I then went to find a job with some company. So at that point, it was easier to be somebody with a salary that would be an owner because most of these problems were affecting the business owner. So I then got hired by a company. It was, uh, I first was doing consultancy with Firewolf. There is a vendor called Sophos. So David pivoted from being a small business owner to working for larger companies. There he was doing things like installing and configuring firewalls and also teaching people the basics of how to use firewalls like configuring roles. But at that time, looking for the right job wasn't David's only main concern. He also focused his attention on passing the ICND2 exam and getting more certifications. After the eight week break, David took the ICND2 and passed. He now had his first certification, the CCNA. But this only made David want to start working on gaining even more certifications. I kept studying. I kept taking exams with all the money I could get. I got another two CCNAs. At that point, it was CCNA security and CCDA. So I had three CCNAs and I was like, oh God, so now I should be triple delicious because before it was only one. <laughs> so I wanted to find a job outside of the country. I started to apply and yeah, well, I got rejected. It wasn't terrible at the beginning, but what happened is that I kept doing it for months and I took count of these. I was counting them. I applied more than 200 times and more than 200 times I got rejected. And I just kept doing it for months. I know it feels bad because honestly, when they tell you, and this was 80% of their responses, we are not doing the visa job because, well, you are from Venezuela, which means I will have to do all the work for you. So most of the time I was being told no. And I kept applying and well, after being rejected 200 times, I think you just don't care anymore, right? Because it doesn't hurt, <laughs> not more. There was a point when I got desperate and I said, well, but what should I do now? Because it seems like I have no opportunities. And I was quite active in Cisco Learning Network at that time because it was already 2015. I was already getting there and asking things. And when I got the third CCNA, I said, well, now I need to go for CCMP. So I was asking questions about DMVPN on the forums and I was getting people to answer like Daniel Dave or, or I was checking Cisco's support community and do have this dissertation rated by Peter Paluch, then it was another level of learning because I was learning with these people that before they, well, they were my idols and I was getting in contact with them over Cisco Learning Network and learning things. And I actually took two exams for CCMP when I was at Venezuela. I failed one route. That was a really hard exam. And I passed switch just in the minimal. I think I passed by 20 points or so, but I passed it to pass. But at that time it was three exams for a CCMP routing and switching. 
so I had only one. I kept applying for the jobs. All of them were rejections. And there was a point when I said, okay, let me just ask maybe the people in Cisco Learning Network. And that was one of the wisest choices I have made ever. I asked in Cisco Learning Network. I got a bunch of suggestions. People told me, apply here or here. And one guy, his name is Ioannis Yagnopoulos. Of course, he's Greek. He was a contributor in Cisco Learning Network. He was writing from time to time. He told me in, in one of his responses, hey, why don't you apply for IBM Czech Republic? I used to work in IBM Czech Republic, and I know that they do all the visa work. He was reaching out to me over DMs, over direct messages in Cisco Learning Network. So he didn't even put all this information in the blog post. He just gave me a hint, and then he reached out to me in one-to-one. -one. I was talking with him for months. He was telling me, apply here, check this position or this other position. With your current knowledge, you can apply for this other position. He was really coaching me on this for a couple of months. And then I said, well, you know what? 200 plus rejections. I remember it was 206. Yeah. So 200 plus rejections. Another one will not kill. So I just sent my CV. At that point, I wasn't paying too much attention to it. I just said, well, let's see what happens. But I was expecting another rejection. Two weeks after. I get this email, CV shortlisted for interview. And I was, I was almost in tears because finally they would interview me before they didn't. And I thought, well, this seems like a good thing. So I prepared for the interview for the next two weeks because they gave me two weeks notice for the interview. And I kept studying all these things that I remember I failed for the route exam. I was for two weeks just smashing my head against the books and reading and trying to test new things. And I wanted to make everything as clear as possible because this was my only chance and I had to make a stellar demonstration so they would be drooling for me. That was the idea, right? <laughs> I got this interview and uh, it's funny because the interview almost failed because it seems like uh, they got confused with the time zones. So I sent them an email. It was supposed to be for 8 a.m. But they confused the time zones. So I was there just sitting in front of the computer at 8 a.m. And then I thought, oh, they left me here. So I thought like I was stood up and I said, oh, God, no. <laughs> I send them an email and I tell them, hey, I have been waiting here for you guys. And then <gasps> we missed the time. And then they checked and, oh, it's our bad because for us it was 9 a.m. and we got confused and all that. We'll call you now. 10 minutes later, I get a call. I wasn't even in a web meeting or anything. I just got a call on my phone. It was an hour and I got the interview. He was asking me about BGP at that time, OSPF, EAGRP, and of course, from whom can you learn EHRP and Cisco support community? Oh, oh, Peter Pollock is the best on this. <laughs> so I was trying to nail all the details for these protocols before in these two weeks so I could just nail it on the interview. And of course, 
on top of that, well, all the switching and fundamentals for routing. So the interview went well. In one of the questions, the guy asked me, how can you upgrade many devices at the same time or something like that? And I think the answer was Cisco Prime infrastructure, but I didn't have idea, I had no clue about what the hell was Prime. And I told the guy, dude, I don't want to lie to you because it doesn't make sense. So I don't know. I have no clue. So I prefer to just pass on this. And the guy said, this is exactly what I wanted. I wanted you to be honest and tell me that you don't know. Because you shouldn't be afraid of not knowing things. And this was what put the last nail on the coffin for this. The guy was excited and I asked him, did I do well? So there is something I can improve on. Just tell me something. And he said, all I can tell you is that I hope they hire you. And that was, what? It, it was crazy. That day, my heart couldn't just come out of my mouth. It just, oh. <laughs> then they sent me a couple of weeks after they sent me an offer and of course I wasn't thinking it at that point in the offer wasn't a high number but it doesn't matter because I had the ticket I had the only chance I could get so dude there's no way you can say no you got the ticket to go and they said we will do the visa for you we will do everything you need and I would respect this from them till I die because this is what got me outside of Venezuela I got the offer and then I thought okay so now I get an offer. How the hell am I going to pay all this? We're going to leave off there in David's story for now. As you heard, he had a job opportunity in the Czech Republic, and he had managed to secure a number of certifications for himself. In the next episode, find out what David had to face in order just to get to the job he wanted so badly, and also what happened when he first got started. Please subscribe to the Cisco Learning Network podcast so that you can be notified of when the next episode of David's Story will be released. And please visit the Cisco Learning Network at www.ciscolearningnetwork.com to find training videos, resources, and an entire community dedicated to supporting one another in the journey of earning Cisco certifications. Thanks for listening.